How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another broadcast of the Radio Show. I, uh, sorry, I had a big stretch there. It's um, I don't know. It's been a, it's, it's been it's it's been a time and a half. I can say, <laughs> I am genuinely um, excited to have finished another challenge and to be on to and on to the next. It's pretty much what this is. Uh, I'm I'm. I'm a little bit gassed, you know, a little bit tired and weary of this stuff, but it's only because I, I push myself, uh, I think a little bit too much this time around and it's fine. At least we know where my limits are now. I can't do 24 miles a session over and over and over and over and over again. You know, I have a certain limit to where, okay, I need to stop doing that many miles and just kind of chill. And with this, uh, Taji 300, well, 100, Taji 100 coming up, I will, um, I will be able to take my time and do the, you know, be, I'm, I'm able to, I'm able to do 10 miles or 14, whatever it is and be done in the gym and not be there forever. Cause I think the last few sessions I really just started to dread and I was like pulling a, a the old me who's like, okay, break it down. We got five, you know, we got, we got 24 miles. Okay. Well, that's easy. You know, we, we, my first, first thing is we get to, we get to five miles. It wouldn't take us that long. That's like 20 minutes right there. And then we'll pop up to another, you know, 10 minutes, uh, 10 miles, which is 20 minutes, not 20 minutes, uh, 40 minutes. And by the last, you know, last few, we should be around 10 minutes again, 10 minutes, hopefully. That's a plane. Did I say five minutes equal 20 minutes? Five miles equals 20 minutes? Because it doesn't. For me, it doesn't. Because I've been, like, literally blasting myself. I've been going so hard. Like, the last last session I had, well, one of the last sessions I had, I should say, the longer ones, I went so hard. I was just going. Going and going and pedaling and pedaling until I couldn't anymore. Um... Man, I was just tired. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes you're just tired and you have to let your body rest. I know there are some coaches out there and some trainers out there that would be like, well, you're tired, you know, just go to the gym anyway. Push through it, push through it. Some days I don't. And I'm going to tell you that it's not a bad thing if occasionally you don't push through that tiredness. Because that's your body telling you, hey, I'm tired, You need, I need rest. For me personally, I am a person who values sleep over a lot in life because I'd rather get that hour of sleep than put in an hour of workout than miss out on an extra hour of sleep I could have had that my body needs to recover anyway because sleep is literally the other half of I'd say argue I'd argue to say it's the more important half of getting in shape because it starts with you getting enough sleep so that way, you know, any workouts you do, you have to recover from them. It's not while you're working out, I'm really getting strong. No, you're working out and getting weak because you're tearing down your muscle fibers. They build back up when you're sleeping and, you know, throughout the day as recovery, um, you know, as the, as the recovery process goes. You know, that's why it's important what you eat. That's why it's important why you're drinking water. It allows your body to repair itself faster when it has the uh, the materials to do so. When it has the equipment to do so. I'm going to put it that way. You know, when it has the tools to repair itself a little bit faster and make the, you know, soreness 
less prominent, your body will be able to, you know, your body will be able to do that once you treat it right. Obviously, for those of you who don't really work out at all, you know, a, an organized, intense, semi, well, semi-intense workout will definitely make you sore because you're working muscles that you haven't worked in a while, and that's fine. You know, even if you, with stretching and some light cardio afterwards to kind of cool you down, there's always going to be some uh, tension that remains. Just natural. And once your body gets more acquainted with exercise, the soreness really doesn't come as often because I haven't been sore really haven't but then again I've worked these legs you know for years I've, at this point they put in a ton of miles I'm surprised at this point I, I think by the end of the year I will have put in a thousand miles but we'll see because uh, I still have data to enter it is a bit rough oh man but I tell you, I haven't really been doing much. No, there's the thing I was trying to avoid. <laughs> that happens too often. I decided to, oh, yeah, this is the thing I want to tell you guys. I'm sorry. I decided to take a day off. Like, it was wonderful. It was actually wonderful. I actually decided to take a day off. And it was good. Because here's the thing, this is what works for me. This doesn't work for a lot of people. Uh, people think this is like, oh, this is weird backwards thinking and it's crazy. But I know me. I know me very well. I've been living in my body since birth. So, and before that, I guess, technically. Um, I took the day off on Thursday, not Friday. First off, I didn't want to have a three-day weekend simply because it gets me into a mode of laziness that I don't want to get into that I have done in past jobs where I've just taken off a Friday because, oh, or I've taken off before a holiday, you know, so I could have a little bit of extra time for myself. And I'm like, hmm, I don't want that because all that does is put me in a pattern of wanting to then have that three-day weekend. But for me, I don't think there's much better, you know, on my end, um than to, you know, work the three first three days of the week, have a paid day off, because that's what I got. I got vacation time and paid time off saved up. I don't know how, or I just have them now. Because I was waiting for them to pop up in my, because um, we have a, a hub, an online hub, with all of our, with all of our information, because, you know, people are going paperless now with that kind of stuff, so. So it's like, okay, well. I've got this much time saved up because um, I spent my time reading the employee manual. I know a lot of people don't do that, but I've, I had to to realize to see how much time, you know, how, uh, what was the rate that time was built up for, um, you know, versus the amount of time we're, um, we're working. And now that's an American thing. I'm sure that's an American thing. I don't think um, Europeans have to deal with that. Uh, well, I guess certain countries. I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to blanket and see like every country has this. I'm just going to say there are quite a few countries. There's a, there are popular countries. I know definitely uh, popular European countries. I know definitely have that. Um, but it's uh it's been nice, you know, it's actually nice. And that's the thing, right? I don't normally take days off cause I'm like, well, meh. but some days I just feel poopy, but I don't mind working. Like I don't mind working most of the year 
and not having like a two week, a three week vacation. Like that doesn't really bother me all that much. I don't need a month off from my job. I like my job, you know, and it's not a shame on anyone else who does take that. If you need that time, take it, you know, that comes in handy. Maternity leave is probably the only thing that would ever really affect me and not really me, but you know, the lady, of course, if we ever have a kid, um, leave for a uh, parental leave, I should say, not maternity leave, maternity leave is for the women, but parental leave, any kind of leave for parents and stuff because being a new dad or being a new parents, you know, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to adjust to because you've got a whole new human to take care of that is unable to do so themselves. And you have to constantly worry about them and hoping that nothing slightly bad happens because slightly bad to a baby could be life-threatening as they are new and still developing literally everything. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, that is a, that's a rough time. And you know, Kids are uh, extremely huge responsibility because you're just, especially when they're yours, <laughs> you know, because you're responsible for them. 24-7, you are responsible for them, responsible for their behavior. You're responsible for what they eat, what they wear, where they, you know, sleep, what they interact with on the internet and, and whatnot. You're responsible for in- influencing them to make good decisions and grow up to be responsible adults. And even in that time, like when I think about that stuff, sometimes it makes me question, like, why do people have kids? You know, those thoughts kind of creep in a little bit because I'm like, why do people have kids? Because I'm like, it's because it's an added responsibility that some people just really don't need to have. You know, some people really don't need to have kids. Then there are other people that are like really great with their kids. You know, but when I see, you know, the 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 tired moms and dads, like they're like bloody exhausted and absolutely need a break from their kids. It's like, how do you guys even manage and why? You know, my parents waited seven years or six years, one of those two, after having their last child to have me. Seven, six, six, seven years. What? What? (laughs) I'm sorry. What? I'm like, for all the headache and and whatnot, I want to see, like, because sometimes I want to know, like, what what is the, what is the part, you know, for parents that just makes them like, yes, this was absolutely worth going through 18 years of, of spending this extra money on medical bills, school fees, sports fees, um, you know, entertainment fees, you know, taking them to a movie or, you know, to a, a museum or something. Just, you know, just keeping them entertained and, and making sure they have stuff and uh, anything for recreation or leisure, extra toys and whatnot. You know, was it worth all this time of the, the arguments through the teen years, dealing with the attitude or dealing with the young baby years when, you know, all they could, their favorite word was no. And, and when they were toddlers, like, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Because I know some parents out there only do this only see it as an opportunity for, oh, when this kid grows up and they, you know, end up being rich, well, that means they're going to, you know, give me money and I get to mooch off of them as they've been mooching off of me. Even though they haven't been mooching off of you, they're your child and you're supposed to take care of them in the first place. That's just what it is. But, you know, seriously, I, I, I don't know. 
I always, I always think about that. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't hate kids. I'm not a child hater or anything. Sometimes those thoughts, like, as I, it's important to ask those questions. It's not a, it's not a taboo or, or, you know, wrong subject and wrong way to think. It's a curious way to think. Like, what do people see as the reward for when, you know, those kids are grown? Because that's 18 years of your life that you are dedicating to someone else, you know? And I see that as a very selfless thing to do, obviously, because not only because you're raising them to make sure that they grow up and they don't end up in a stupid place, being poor, you know, you know, in a ton of bad relationships, abused, anything like that. So that way they can live a happy life as well. But I want to know what what do parents find very rewarding about about parenthood? You know, because that always um, intrigues me. Because I'm very interested. Because I'm a young guy, right? I don't know if this. I don't know the first thing about parenting a child. Never had one. I don't need to have one right now. I definitely don't need to have one. I probably won't have one for the next few years in my life, actually. Because I'm not mentally or financially ready for that kind of thing. Because children, I'm not going to say they're a huge burden, but they're a huge responsibility. Because just like pets, people have pets because sometimes they're lonely. And I think that sometimes that's what people's thoughts are, thought process is for why they want kids. Like the couple's happy, but they're like, well, they're kind of lonely. And they wish they had, you know, somebody else there they could eventually share memories with. And I can see that as a valid reason, right? You know, wanting to have somebody, you know, grow up have somebody that you can literally raise to have and share the same interest as you because <laughs> you can do that with kids you can do that because the stuff because think about that because if you are you know if you, the kid's always around watching what you watch and listening to the same music that you do you have someone who can relate to you and talk to you about the same stuff you know if i have kids if i end up ever having kids if that's a thing that i can and you know have the opportunity to do successfully because I don't want to raise, I don't want to bring a kid into my life and then I'm not able to take care of him mentally or emotionally or, you know, physically, obviously, financially. And I'm like jacking up the kid. Not intentionally, right? I'm not, I don't think I'll ever be like the abusive person. I don't, I can't do that to people. That's kind of rude. And, you know, it's like, they'll, they'll, all you're doing is spreading more abuse throughout the world. One kid at a time. And now all they're ever going to be is abusive. Unless they decide to change, of course, because people do change. There's plenty of success stories out there of people who grew up in abusive homes, but ended up, you know, getting the help that they needed, went through therapy or whatever they needed to do, took care of it. And now they're healed, they're fine, they're, and they have kids of their own that they're promising not to, you know, uh, do the same way that their parents did them. You know, there's stories of people who had, who had deadbeat dads, who are now like the best dads in the world. LeBron James, he's a dad. Growing up, his dad, who knows? Definitely wasn't a good one. So now he's living out the life and being the dad that his dad wasn't. Which I respect wholeheartedly. I know people really don't like him because sports and whatnot. But I respect, I absolutely a thousand percent respect anybody 
who dares to be better than the last generation, who dares to be better than, you know, the last person. Improvement is is worthy of respect in my eyes. Because at least you made a conscious effort to try. And he's he's doing fine. As far as I know, he's doing fine. I don't know. I'm not in LeBron James' life, and I don't really care. As long as he's not abusing his kids, we're cool. I have really no opinions about the guy in the first place. So. But yeah, other than that, guys, you know, my life has uh, been okay. But I, I, I think about that stuff sometimes, you know, I, that's those thoughts cross my mind. And I don't think it's unhealthy to think about that stuff. I think it's necessary that we we confront these thoughts and really figure, get to the, you know, get to the bottom and be like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about this. I'm like, what, what do I actually think? You know, because uh, now I know one thing for sure that my thoughts will and this will change in a few years, I'm sure, as I get older, um, as our thoughts and our knowledge of the world does like I said, every five years, every five years, your perspective on life changes a little bit. You learn something new. You have had experiences that you've never had before. You know, because as we get older, new things start to become available to us. Because especially from the ages from 18 to 30. Or sorry, from 15 to 30. Sorry, five years. I was going by five-year increments. Shoot, I'm sorry. From the ages of 10 to 30. There you go. Because from 10 to 15, man, you've already you've entered high school. Now you're going through puberty. From 15 to 20, the heck was that? From 15 to 20, you're becoming, you've graduated high school. You're becoming an adult. You know, from out of high school, you've either, you've either started a trade, you know, got just a regular job, went to the military or went to college. You did something. You decided to be a freelancer and do whatever, you know, on Fiverr or something. Or a YouTuber, like a Twitch streamer. Don't know. But, you know, you started to do something with your life. Started to. I said started to. And then 20 to 25, you're figuring, you're trying to figure life out. You really are. And then 25 to 30, well, you're still probably trying to figure life out because not everybody has their life together by 30 years old or 25 or in their 20s. People still try to figure out, okay, what am I meant to do? Because sometimes some those people who come from those trauma, you know, those those homes that really instilled, like that really, you know, inflicted trauma upon them, they're spending their early, you know, twenties and such, you know, with the freedom that they have, hopefully the freedom that they have, trying to heal from that, and trying to also at the same time still deal with society and trying to maintain a job while you're going through healing, which sometimes can be a hard process because you're learning to interact with people a little bit differently. Um, because if you're used to people yelling at you every time you say anything or share an opinion or show interest in certain things, um, then you'll never really share with anyone. If you're used to being criticized about how you look and all that stuff. Then it'll be hard for you to make new friends and hard for you to really let people in your life and let them love you the proper way. You know, these people could, then the people that are trying to love you could have the most pure intentions in the world and you still won't trust them because of what you've suffered. Because if you, you know, because if you can't trust your parents, then that's like, who the frick can you trust? Those people who literally made you, who are supposed to be your lifeline in life, <laughs> hello, but your lifeline no matter what. 
And they're, they're the ones being abusive to you. Those are the ones betraying you, basically betraying you. If they're abusing you. And betraying any trust and really getting themselves a nice front row seat in the retirement home. To be honest, that's where most, that's where a lot of people end, end up. It's like, hey, I'm not going to put up with you. I'm not going to, because it's, it's not, because I don't necessarily find it wrong for that to happen. Because it's like, hey, this is, I wouldn't even call it revenge. It's just like, this is what you've pretty much, this is the hole that you dug for yourself. You know, all we're doing is just putting you in it. (laughs) You know, we're just letting you reap the benefits, reap your rewards. Reap the consequences that you've been like of what you've been sowing over these decades. I wouldn't feel bad about it all that much. Had my parents been in that same situation, I'd be like, okay, cool. You guys are going to grow in the retirement home. Unless some of my other siblings decide to take them up and take care of them. I'm like, no, I'm not going to deal with them. I don't want to be, I don't like, I don't want to be bothered with them. I'm like, good luck getting visitors. Cause I won't tell anyone that you're there, <laughs> but they're not, they haven't been abusive. So you know, maybe they did a few things wrong, but it's, you know, they're imperfect human beings. So I don't really expect them to be perfect at all. You know, and I have to take care of some stuff and, uh, you know, just learn more about myself. Um, there were, cause I'm like there, I did run into a couple of issues that I'm like, I thought about and I'm like, Oh wow, they did actually hurt me in that way. But you know, they've, they've long apologized for anything that they've done wrong. So I don't hold it against them in any sense. Um, because again, they, they were young parents, not when they had me, but they were young at that. They were young when they first started being parents. And nowadays they've, they've learned a lot more and they're less like how they used to be. So, and I guess it also helps because I'm not, you know, a kid and they don't have to actively take care of me and take me to doctor's appointments and, and whatnot and pay for school and buy me school clothes and whatnot. That's that's that kind of stuff. But, you know, I I, I think about that stuff sometimes. I really do. I really do. Because these thoughts cross my mind. It's like, man, yeah, I wonder. You know, I wonder. Because kids are this, especially because as time goes on, as as we live here, like, life just gets expensive. Living in the States uh, with a kid can get expensive sometimes. The medical thing is probably the medical bills are probably the most concerned because you can always catch diapers and clothes and food and all that stuff on sale, you know, typical, right? That's, you know, that, that stuff goes on sale. So it's not really much of an issue, but it's the medical part. It's the medical portion. Anything that happens that could probably be the most expensive and school and sports, school and sports. Actually, I don't know how expensive school is and I'm afraid to find out almost sports also. Cause it's like, man, cause my parents didn't have to pay Jack when I went into drama, when I started doing acting and stuff, they didn't have to pay Jack. That was free. It's always been free. Sports always cost money, <laughs> but no, no drama was free, but that's because the schools don't really care about acting and they don't really care about the arts in that sense. Acting departments are always underfunded, like always. Yeah. Underfunded unless they are, unless the school is mainly focused on that kind of thing. And the only time I think you'll see a school focus on that kind of thing is if it's a, a college, a university of some sort. So it's, um, 
That's interesting. But, you know, that's that's beside the point. But yeah, they never had to pay Jack for that, which is why it was probably one of my one of the things I could easily get into because I'm like, I don't have to pay for it. It just took time. I just had to, you know, audition. Well, yeah, audition for stuff and whatnot. Uh, besides, like, the classroom stuff. And the movies I didn't even have to audition for. Or short films I didn't have to audition for. They were just like, yeah, you, <laughs> you're going to do this. I'm like, okay. Because I think for the short films I was actually in, I was actually on camera for, what is it, two or three of them now? Three of them I've been in? It's insane, man. And a music video. Yeah, I was just told what to do, and I was like, oh, okay. Luckily, I was never given, like, you know, I was never given, like, a, a million lines or anything like that. Luckily, I didn't have to play any leads. But I still somehow was in an important role, like, connected with one of the, like, main antagonists. <laughs> I was I was always, yeah, that's the thing that people don't know. I was never, like, the good guy. I was, I think one time I was the main pro, main antagonist. Um, I was always the one on the bad side. <laughs> you know, I was always one of the bad guys. And I like that. I was always, that's, that was probably one of my favorite parts. I like playing the bad guy in a movie because it's just fun. Because you get to have more fun with it. It's like, hey, I'm a bad guy. I can do bad things. Oh, yeah. And I was in another play. That was like my, la- my last play that I was in. Well, it was like a group interpretation. It wasn't actually a play. Um, it was for a competition. So we were, the category was called group interpretation. There were certain rules to come with that as well. Um, like we didn't have access to a full stage. We had a, actually a small taped out area that was a certain measurement. Um, but it was it was interesting. Uh, we didn't go anywhere with it because the judging was kind of whack, not going to lie. But that was the last time I, yeah, I've ever, that's the last time I ever did anything acting wise. And that's been it. And I miss it kind of sometimes. Some days I do. Some days I don't because I don't think I have the energy or the emotion to put into it anymore. Because I think what fueled me, because during those years that I was acting, I was, you know, again, depressed. Um, so being able to be a bad guy or something is, is kind of a, a small outlet to be like, hey, here's what I'm doing. I'm acting. Because I was darn good at acting. I was really good. <laughs> I Every time, every performance I've had, monologues, a scene with just me and another person, I killed it. People knew to expect goodness and, and greatness when it came to goodness, greatness when it came to me being on stage or in front of people. They were like, oh, because improv was also fun. I still improv is like, it really is a fun thing. It's a fun portion. But I don't miss the high school part of it. I don't miss it being in high school. If I could have like an acting class today and it just not be tied to any school, just to be a thing that some adults do at the end and we just put on a play and then we call it I will um that's not for a grade it's just like for a learning experience like we go through the entire class we have an improv portion we have a portion where we're just doing uh, monologues we have a portion where we're doing scenes together and then we put it all together and have scenes with a small group and then we have scenes with the entirety of the class either a play you know either play two plays you know whatever however it needs to be split up for however many people that we have. But considering how much I've done, I've done like, I've done stage makeup. I've been able to see how some stage work is done. Like I've 
I've seen a lot, man. I've seen a lot of it. Um, but I guess the acting, the, the part about acting I miss is that there was a group that you belonged with and you, maybe you weren't close to these people beforehand, but because you're in a play together, you're going to get close anyway. And it's for a good cause too. It's for the sake of, you know, entertainment and enjoying your, well, entertaining entertainment. You're doing something that you all like to do, which is act. So, but let me cut it here. I got to go back inside and check on some things because I'm, I'm almost, our work is almost done today. We're, we were like keen on getting everything done beforehand and knocking out, knocking it out and finishing it so we could be done and sit down by like nine ish. So thank you everybody so much for listening. I appreciate it. Remember love is patient. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.